there are passions at war within you, passions and desires. There's your passion to please God, and there's your passion to do what you want, to please yourself. And what I would have loved to gone into but didn't really have time to go into it would be how we're not always aware of that struggle. Hello and welcome to You Matter, a Spring Hills podcast. I'm Joshua Meyer. Thanks so much for joining us today on our Going Deeper episode. Today, we are going deeper on this past weekend's sermon titled, Draw Near, with the scripture of James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Today, I have Pastor Tom on the show with me to help me go deeper with this past weekend's sermon that he provided for us. Tom, how's it going? Josh, I'm having a great day, and I'm excited to be here with you on this pod. Absolutely. This pod, once again, it will become more natural for me over time. But right now, you're selling it. I'm going to try to take it. It's now called a pod. We're going to just shorten it. We'll go with that. Think of the time we could save by just saying pod instead of podcast. I, so I, much time. I get it. Yeah. In fact, all the time that we've spent just talking about it right now, this we moment. We wasted a lot more time talking about it than we would have saved <laughs> by just saying it. Yes. Hey, you know what? The weather is beautiful today. We can celebrate that. It's, it's really important to celebrate the victories, the gifts that God has given us. The weather is beautiful. My family's healthy. My son, my daughter, they're healthy. Everyone's doing good. How about your family? Yeah, my family's doing well. Things are good for us. You know, I living in the empty nest, Josh, these days. And let me just say, the empty nest is good. It's good times. It's good. It's good times. And to Tom's daughters, that doesn't mean he loves you any less. He's just enjoying his time with your beautiful mom. That's exactly right. There you go. There you go. And how about your dog? Uh, Charlie's doing great. Yeah. Charlie um, woke me up at 2.45 this morning. Seems like he had to go out. Um, you're thinking, why didn't you take him out before bedtime? Oh, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, we sometimes say he's got the bl- biggest bladder a dog has ever had, but not last night. Last night, he, yeah, that was not good. But Charlie is adorable overall. So, yeah, we nice. still love him. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have two dogs ourselves. We have a two year old lab and a four year old lab, Archie and Chewy, and they are going through a transition as well. Mm-hmm. My wife is no longer working from home. She now works for the state of Ohio in cybersecurity, and she is in the office today in central Columbus. And so I had to swing home real quick to let them out because they're used to potty breaks whenever they want. Mm-hmm. And here we find ourselves talking about our dogs and potty breaks. So interesting way to start off this episode. But hey, guess what? We want you, podcast listeners, to know us very well. Well, and uh, apparently that's what you're getting today. Hey, we're going to jump into our podcast um, topic for the sermon. And that was basically James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, with an emphasis on James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Tom, I know there were some things you talked about in your sermon that you wanted to go deeper on. Could you enlighten us a little bit on that? I think probably the biggest thing that I really wanted to do but didn't have time to do in the sermon If you remember, we talked about how there are passions at war within you, passions and desires. There's your passion to please God, and there's your passion to do what you want, to please yourself. And what I would have loved to gone into but didn't really have time to go into it would be how we're not always aware of that struggle. Sometimes our awareness is more on day-to-day issues. Our awareness is more caught in the distracting things of life. And so we can lose sight of that battle that is going on within us. I would say that battle is always happening 
but but we sometimes don't have an awareness that that battle is going on and then it actually even comes out in our choices it comes when when we're more keenly aware of the battle at the level of our passions and desires passion to serve god passion to do god's will passion to to worship him and love him and that passion desire to do what you want when you want it, how you want to do it um that that Sometimes we're just distracted from that battle and we're mm. focused on uh, ISA plays Michigan in two weeks and we're focused on what am I having for lunch today and all, all the things that are going on in life. And I, th- I thought had I mentioned that in the sermon, it might have connected with those that were listening to the sermon that, they're, that they sometimes are unaware of a spiritual battle happening within them mm. um, and how we need to take more time to, to be aware of the internal life. I, I do think there are pl- times in history maybe even cultures alive today more in touch with their internal world than modern day Americans. I think modern day Americans, it's very easy to anyone who owns a smartphone, very easy to lose touch with the inner world, your emotion, the battle within you, the things that you're thinking and feeling and be more distracted with daily concerns. And, and then another thing to think about uh, along those same lines is just, Having a smartphone uh, does get, let you know immediately what's happening around the world. You, your, your soul, I would say, is, was never designed to carry the entire weight of the world. So knowing about uh, what's happening in Israel, knowing what's going, earthquakes around the world, people are dying, people are suffering, to, to be aware of, the, of global suffering at any moment in the palm of your hand, I, I think is also something that this is very heavy. And that, that then again, like I'm saying, stops us from being aware of even our own internal condition, our own, the battle within us that is between these desires that we're, that we're having. Um, you've got a very contemplative look on your face, Josh. What do you think about that? Gosh, idea? well, I think you've just opened up Pandora's box for really what's taking place here. When you're talking about the desires of the heart, I think about so many different types of theological scholars that have... Um, been present to this battle that's taking place. And the reality is, is for me, that um, all the things that we see symptomatically on the outside of us are indications of the inner well-being of what's actually taking place on the inside of us. So when we think of all the things that vie for our attention, whether it be a cell phone or just general distractions or our own selfish desires on the outside of us, those those are symptoms of a war that's taking place at the level of the heart. And that's really what matters, is that when we attempt to do this life disregarding the fact that there is something really powerful at play, and it's a battle for who gets our heart. Is it mm-hmm. the enemy? Mm-hmm. Is, it our, is it our old self? Is it the flesh? Or does God get our heart? Because the reality is, is desire rooted in Christ reveals design, and design reveals destiny. But the reality is, is that goes two ways, one or the other. Is your desire going to be rooted in Christ, or is it going to be rooted in the Mm self-life? Because if it's rooted in the self-life, then your destiny is going to be, you know, self-fulfilled in the flesh, and it's going to have negative consequences. But there is a good desire, and your desire completely obediently given over to Christ does reveal design and that design does reveal destiny. So one more thing, Josh, I was going to mention this sermon, but didn't really have time to, and I spent a lot of time contemplating it is it says in the, in the passage I was preaching on in James four, um, James says, do you not know that God 
is jealous of the spirit he's caused to dwell within you. And so James reminds us in that passage of what God revealed in Exodus, that he is a jealous God, that God, but James puts it even more strongly, that God, you know, is jealous of what, what you just said, actually, of your attention, of the focus of your heart. Um, God, God deserves to be. He's jealous of and deserves to be the full focus of your life. And so when the desire for the self-life, what you just call the self-life, the desire for pleasing yourself, the desire for doing it your way and then ignoring God, um, that affects your relationship with God, I think James would, would say very loudly. But I felt like when I went with the you adulterous people, it was strong enough to convey the jealousy, you know, idea that was there. But it's, it is again how James is playing off the marriage uh, metaphor that he's talking about with adultery and then jealousy. And he's really pulling in what God wants. God wants your attention. God wants to be your first love. Any listener right now really should use that to evaluate, okay, what's that mean for me? Is God really my first love? Um, or am I falling in the trap of just letting myself be distracted by by what's happening around me or the trap of focusing on myself, what I want? Um, so I noticed that the next question we have, Josh, is kind of an interesting one. What do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on this, on this next question? Well, definitely. Let's get after this okay. question. But one of the things I want to bring it to is, is how you were actually highlighting how literally intentionally dramatic James is in mm-hmm. this passage. Um, for good reasons, and then how most pastors actually don't find a pra- practical application to match with that dramatic emphasis that James is doing, but you did an incredible job when you were mm-hmm. talking about a counseling session that you provided. But before we do that, I want to go right to a member's question, like okay. you were alluding to, Great. where uh, the member basically said, Pastor Tom, do you personally relate to the internal struggle described by James, where passions and desires for God clash with selfish ambitions and desires for the self. Yeah, I think that, uh, so the answer is yes. I do personally relate to that battle that we see James discussing. And uh, things that come to my mind immediately would be sometimes I actually um, have a desire for two good things. Um, I have a desire, I, I, I have an opportunity to go to this and I have an opportunity to go to that. And which of these desires, you know, that which both probably are good, but there's still a battle for which of them that I do. Um, probably a lot of listeners have that battle, the, ch- the choice between two good things. But James isn't talking about that. He's talking about the desire for serving self or the desire for pleasing God. And I would say probably that desire comes to me, I think of that most often when, uh, in two contexts, one is, um, I usually have a very busy agenda on my days off. Um, and I, there's this thing that I know is so good to do. It's so good for me. It's so good for my soul. It's what I call it. It's a Sabbath practice that I try to put in place where I review the past week. I review it. Um, and just look at, you know, where, where were, where was I frustrated? Where was I, uh, what, what, what wins am I celebrating? I don't feel very articulate right now, Josh. Let me refocus myself. You're doing just, just for a second. Thanks. Uh, go through wins, go through losses, go through frustrations. You just kind of review the week. It takes some time to do it. And then I release those things to God. And as I release each of those, whether it's a celebration or a frustration, it is a very spiritual experience for me. I feel very relieved. I feel very good when I do it. But my flesh just doesn't want to do it. My flesh really resists like reviewing the week, writing down, you know, wins and losses, frustrations, issues, um, because it, 
my flesh just wants to like sit in my uh, my chair and like you know watch mindless TV or you know whatever mm. whatever you know whatever checking out that is kind of my fleshly desire and so and so it really is a battle to do something that I know God's calling me to do I know it helps me I know it's good for me review the week release back to God anything from the week that I'm still still holding on to um, but I, but a real part of me really doesn't want to do it and so I have to just honestly usually what I do is acknowledge it that I don't want to do it to God but I'm going to start doing it and Holy Spirit show up as I start doing it. This is actually a technique for me that works really well. I there's something I need to do. I don't really want to do it, so I just start doing it. That's my that's my mm. technique. Start doing it. Sometimes I'll set a timer to help myself start. I'm like, I'll, you know what? I'll just do it for five minutes, and then I'll see how I feel in five minutes. Always at the five minute point, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, the the good thing, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm attempting to do, like in that case, that that Sabbath practice. The other thing I think about when I think about my fleshly desires and how God might be honored is there's just some things, you know, I personally find very interesting to listen to in my car uh, when I'm driving to and from work. Um, some podcasts I like to listen to on our favorite topic, Josh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, or like I'll listen to an audiobook. I'm I'm kind of into like uh, biographies on audiobook and just interesting audiobooks. But then there's also the idea of worshiping in the car, wor- worshiping God. When I worship in my car coming to the church. It is so uplifting for my soul. It's so great. I'll often be moved to tears. Um, that, but then there's all these other interests that my mind is like going to. And, um, so sometimes I'm caught in that battle between like, where do I fix my attention? You know, as I'm having this time while I'm driving in and mm. out, um, or even, uh, cutting the grass, same thing. I'll listen to something, you know, uplifting to my soul or something that, you know, just feels like it's for me. In that case. So yeah, that, that, that's some of the ways I feel that battle for like what I want and what God wants plays out. And I'm, I'm really happy, Josh, by the way, that had you, had I been honest with you, you know, when I was in my young 20s, there would have been a very different battle, very different kind of battle, very different things that I would have wanted, wanted to do. So I'm glad there's been maturity on my part, but I, but I recognize that battle is very real for me, my flesh versus the desire to please God. I love that. One of the things that you said right there at the tail end that kind of struck a chord with me was it's good to celebrate the victory and the very sole fact that you can say, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And so praise God for that. Another thing that I kind of wanted to ask you a follow-up question for you regarding this concept of struggle uh, internally when it comes to the desires of the flesh versus the desires of God over your life is that when you come into examples or areas of your life where like, wow, I could just check out, or I'm so tired, or I don't necessarily need to take an inventory of my week or what have you, although you hear the voice of God to a certain extent nudging in that direction to say, yes, Tom, I want you to lean in, be with me and do this evaluation, this little analysis of what's happening in the internal world of your heart. Sometimes there's a spiritual element to this, and you spoke to how you enjoy worship in the car, you enjoy literally just leaning into certain types of practices that embrace literally God's invitation into it. Do you ever invoke the Spirit in prayer to say, I bring the blood of Jesus Christ against me and all things, so that I can see that there is a separating line because of Jesus Christ, because living in the Spirit, um, 
separating me from the self life and the life in the spirit. Is there anything that you do like spiritual practice wise that it, you know, invites you into that to help really draw a hard line between the struggle to help, help you? Well, yeah, I think for me, there probably are a couple of primary things that I do. Um, and the first one you just mentioned right there, it's when you recognize the conflict inside of you, praying is, I think, one of the very first things to do. And I find, um, honest confession to be the best, the best way to mm. approach God in prayer with that. God, let me, I'm just going to confess this. God, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I, I, I'm, I want to do this, but I know, I know that's not what you're calling me to in this moment or in this time. Um, and so I'm just confessing it. I'm just telling you, I find that kind of prayer very helpful, very helpful for me to change kind of the direction of how I'm feeling, the desire that I'm kind of, connecting with, you know, in that moment. Um, I will often also just, you know, say a scripture out loud often, or I'll include a scripture in that prayer. Um, I believe that the word of God has power. There's power in the word of God. It's a um, double-edged sword that can divide, you know, soul and spirit, um, bone and marrow. And I think speaking the word over yourself or inserting the word in, the, in that right, proper place, very helpful, very motivational, kind of breaks the breaks the the fog you know of that you're in in that moment of like oh yeah there's there's prayer there's the word but then very very powerful for me is worship now i'll just confess this or mention this on the podcast today like there are times in my in my work as a pastor where things will happen that i just find kind of frustrating difficult you know to deal with many times i've gone into after a frustrating things happened i'll go in my office i'll lower the shade on my door and i'll put on some worship music just get on my knees and worship god reclaiming you know that right attitude reclaiming that right spirit within me um and those three disciplines i would say i find really helpful in the midst of the battle with the flesh um to pray to quote a scripture and then really just to, to dive into worship um the, you know i've got a couple of different worship playlists that i can just go to immediately already selected you know what i mean and, and i would mm. just advise anyone who's connecting with what i'm saying hey do that Whatever way you listen to music, construct for yourself. Like you could have a playlist for a moment that you're tempted, a playlist for a moment that you're distracted, a playlist for a moment when you just need to refocus on God. Um, and then, you know, pull, pull in the best songs, pull, pull in whatever worship songs right now will pull you back mm. into God's presence. Um, and I think that's a really helpful thing for me personally to really, you know, what, what you want to do is, and this is getting back to something I said in the sermon. You know, I, I talked about head, heart, and hands. Yes. Um, so I think of the three of those. Head is how you think. Hands is what you do. Heart is how you feel. The hardest one to change is how you feel. And that, that's kind of where the desire is. It's in that feeling component, you mm -hmm. know, of your life. But you can control what you think to a certain degree, and you can control what you do. And so if you control what you do to put on worship music, and you can, then, and then you focus your mind on the words, the lyrics, and you'll, what you're, what I find is my desires, my heart, my, you know, that, that part of me follows after it. I've, ch I've chosen, I've chosen a good focus for my mind and, and th that I can't control. Then the focus of my mind is then affecting how I feel and, and really the desire that I'm most attuned to in that moment. What are you thinking, Josh? This is, this pod has been a lot of me talking so far. What are you thinking over there? As well, I first of all, I love you that. talking. You're yeah. a spiritual mentor to us yeah. all, a true shepherd to us as the flock. And so I really appreciate that. Um, but one of the things that I'm hearing from you is that at the core level, you as a believer in Christ have to make a decision. And it's based on your faith. It's, am I truly what the word tells me I am because I am a believer? 
Or am I going to do what the rest of the world does? And am I going to react and live from a place of how I feel? Because the reality is, is each time you are faced with an internal struggle, all these, all of these times, you are doing what Dallas Willard describes in his book, Renovation of the Heart, where he describes the analogy of where the conception of sin takes place. And he says, the idea of the self-life or the flesh responding to an opportunity to do something in disobedience or just simply not choosing God takes place at the concept of when it, the actual idea is conceived in the mind and the heart says, yes, mm. that is where sin is birthed. But also that is where faith is birthed as well. And in this way, you're making a choice to say, I'm not going to live from how I feel. Mm-hmm. The struggle is real in the sense that it's a feeling that's taking place. But I live from truth. I live from the Word of God. I live from the practices and the disciplines that I have learned over life, years and years of doing it maybe the hard way and coming to a place of doing it the correct way now. And that's what I'm hearing you now say, is that at the head, the heart, and the hand level, mm-hmm. when faced with the struggle, you are choosing to guide, be guided by your Father in your decision-making. Now, that's that actually leads me to the next part of my mm, questions excellent. here. We do have two other questions here. I want to go after two other things. Um, but right now, one of the things that a member uh, asked as a question goes is that James talks about the importance of prayer, but highlights the Im- impact of selfish motives. How can you, Pastor Tom, ensure that your prayers are aligned with God's will and not driven by selfish desires? So I'm going to say I'm going to say two things to answer this question, and the first one I think is it's. A little bit, um, I, I think I'm going to land both sides of this question. I think okay. James obviously calls us to understand the motives as we're praying, but I'm just going to say on the one side of this discussion, um, I think we can dial that down just a little bit because what's good is that we are praying. We are going to God. We are praying. As you continue going to God, as you continue praying, then you just may want to think through, like, what is the general content of my prayers? Is 90% what I'm praying are requests that I want from God, or is the majority of my prayer coming back to what I want God, how I need guidance from God to do what He wants me to do? So so I think if, if we play this up and we try and think, What's my motive in every prayer? I've got to constantly search out my motives. I think it's a little bit like like a hamster running on a wheel. It's hard to get to the end of your own motives. It's hard to judge your own heart. And you can take any good thing you've done and you can make yourself feel really bad about it by, well, what was my motive? What was I, maybe, maybe that was just for me. And maybe, you know, so I, I, I don't want to encourage that like over uh, analyzation of your prayers. I think it's just good to pray. I think you want to, as you pray, trust the words coming from your heart are good to God. And then occasionally just kind of evaluate, how am I praying? The other thing I'll say on the other side of the issue is there was a time in my in my morning prayers with God when I only prayed. Um, I would take out a prayer journal, I would write down a prayer. And what I found was when I stopped only praying and included a study of scripture, it was a much less selfish prayer as I would. So, mm. so what I often do in the morning is I will do like an opening paragraph, in my prayer journal, like submitting myself to God and coming before God and, and just addressing him. And then I'll study a section of scripture. And then the rest of my prayer time before I begin worshiping is a reflection on the scripture. 
And as I'm praying through the scripture, how this scripture applies to me, to my heart, to my life, to where I am, then I find that, that it's, it's so not self-focused. Now, what I didn't have the word, the scripture as part of my morning time, this is, you know, some years ago, I just kind of would come, I would just pray whatever was on my heart, pray, pray my request, pray my desires, pray what I need, pray about me, me, me. Um, somewhat selfishly was my later reflection. Uh, you know, this, I'm probably talking like, I'm like 31, 32 years old, recognizing, man, I think I, I think I primarily pray selfish prayers. Um, that's when I was like, you know what? I need the word. And then I brought the word in, you know what I mean? To that morning time and bringing the word in really allowed me to, um, focus more on God, what he wants, what he is desiring of me. And I could, ref- I, I find this very helpful. Josh, I'm curious your thoughts on this and podcast listeners for you too. Um, I find reflecting on the personalizing and reflecting on the word for myself in prayer, as an exercise of prayer, reading it, analyzing it, giving it back to God, so soul-enriching when I take that time um, to really focus on the Word in that way. Have you done that, Josh? What's your experience with that? What do you think about that? Yeah, sure. So I think that absolutely at the core of who we are when we step into a posture of prayer, we do need to carry with us either our remembrance of or the primer of prayer fuel that is Scripture. Because it does help us do what we see in James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Because we have to realize, and I'm getting ready to teach this to our high school students, that prayer is about relationship. And it's not a relationship, prayer is not relationship with God about you. It's prayer, prayer is relationship with God for the purposes of God's will and his kingdom. And we can get that appropriation of our mindset realigned by being present to scripture. I think that that's absolutely critical. And to be into a place, a posture by which we sit down and we choose prayer and we say, God, I'm going to create space. I'm going to create margin. Even when we close out our podcast and prayers, we podcast listeners are offering you a space by which Pastor Tom or anyone who's leading in prayer does kind of lead us by vocally saying prayer. But it's also important to know that when you are going into prayer, you need to allow for relational space for God to speak into the margin of the prayer to say, it's about me. Of course I love you, but it's about me and my will And this is where you find your freedom. This is where you find your peace, your mercy, your grace. All of it is through you aligning yourself with me. Now, when we closed out this podcast, I did have one last piece of, Mm. I mean, I guess I would say personal commentary, is that we find in the New Testament epistles, the writings, the letters that we are going through in James right now, we see it through Paul. There is a traditional format. There's your your Greco-Roman style of speaking and writing is that there's a salutations, there is an encouragement, and then there is a theological, you know, you know, debate or a specific theological writing where James or Paul literally addresses an issue that is pertinent to the people at the time. Right. And then there usually is an ethical harsh warning. And this is where we get in the sermon series and this is where you were at here. That could be very difficult for a pastor to deliver and deliver well. I think of all the times that I have sat in a church and heard a sermon 
over these dip- difficult areas of an epistle being delivered for practical application, no better have I come across than the one that you shared when you were sharing about the counseling session you were mm-hmm. in, and the husband was divided between two lovers mm-hmm. and in this dividedness. And I think that level of harsh warning that we get from the epistle from James in chapter four was easily conveyed in the application today. I just wanted to see from you, your thoughts and your comments. Could you elaborate more on that dividedness? Because I think the irony is, is that while that might've been heavy for the congregation, how real is that today? That is what people deal with at the inner level of the heart all the time. And yet it's just that that was a live outward example. I mean, my heart poured out for the wife who was just sitting there, just torn apart, experiencing Mm -hmm. this, you know, husband who is torn between whether or not he wants the life with his family and his wife. And yet somehow he loves another woman at the same time, this divided desire concept. Um, I just think that there's a lot of harshness and yet severity in love that James is speaking into here, and you did a very well, good job with that in the sermon. Is there anything else you can share about that? Yeah, yeah. the reason I chose that example was I had been in that moment, and I felt like that's exactly what James was trying to say. You love God and the world, friendship towards the world. I find that term that James uses, friendship with the world, I don't immediately connect with that phrase in the sense of like, I don't know what that means, but I I connect with the word adultery that James says, you adulterous people. That's the part of the verse that I really connected with. That's why I chose an illustration that I felt like would be a little more on the line of exactly what James was trying for us to feel when he says, you adulterous people. I know in James' mind, when James says friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God, he, he knows what he's saying. And like you said, there's a direct context. He's, a, he's a addressing an issue at his day and his time. And, and we should be aware of like, there, there's a, a, a caution here for us. Don't be a spiritual person. Don't be a worldly person. I don't know where the line is drawn, friendship with the world, 100%, but I know what it, what, I know how I am shocked and appalled by adultery. That, that's why I chose to go that direction with the verse. And I thought that story really, really hit it off. And I sadly, sadly, Josh, I have seven or eight other stories that are incredibly similar that I could have shared with maybe the same impact. But um, that that was really what was kind of on my heart and my mind wow. when I shared that in the sermon. Yeah. You know, and I just think that you just made a beautiful transition between this concept of adultery and the dividedness of the human condition of even being adulterous at the level of humility versus pride. Mm -hmm. And that's how you closed out the sermon and saying that basically humility is the foundation by which we separate ourselves from an adulterous mindset and heart set. And I thought that was just so beautiful. And Let me say one more thing, Josh, if if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. This is about marriage, I suppose. So the question I answered before this question was like, what, what do I do? What practices do I have when there's the flaring of this battle? And one thing I didn't mention that I think would be good to mention now is I will very, very, very often text my wife to pray for me. Um, and she will very often text me to pray for her when she's having a difficult time or a hard time. In fact, if you scrolled through my wife and I's text messages back and forth, it's like shopping lists, <laughs> uh, lots and lots of shopping lists, uh, shopping lists and uh, check-ins, you know what I mean? And then please pray for me right now. And you don't even find a lot of, you don't even see my wife and I's text messages back and forth, a lot of like pray for this or pray because of this. It's just, please pray for me right now or having a hard day, pray for me. Um, and I, I can't stress how helpful I think that can be 
which is two things. One, someone's praying for you. Second, you've got somebody. You've got someone in your corner who is there for you, who believes in you, a partner, um, you know, a romantic um, person that just loves you and that is your, also your friend. And that friendship, romance, you know, partnership is a beautiful thing to really lean on uh, for spiritual like sustenance and and structure. I think when you're struggling and when there's a battle going on. So I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, as we're talking about adultery, it's the opposite side. It's, it's the good side of marriage. It's about fidelity, you know, about faithfulness uh, in marriage. But that's a beautiful thing, I think, as well. I think that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Tom. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on today's Going Deeper episode. If you are interested in submitting questions for our pastors to answer and you are a member of our church, please feel free to email joshm at springhillschurch.org or info at springhillschurch.org. Again, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. And please remember that more important than anything else, you are welcomed here, you are loved, and you matter. Pastor Tom, would you please lead us out in prayer? Father God, we thank you for this podcast. I thank you for Josh, uh, my co-host here, and just a discussion, God, today about the passions that war within us, God, and how we need to choose you as our as our first love, how, God, you uh, deserve to be and you demand to be the focus of our lives. And when we do give you that focus, our lives are blessed, God, so infinitely, and we thank you for that. We thank you, God, for the blessings you give us and how aligning our right priorities, God, really, truly uh, just allow our lives to flourish and to grow. And so we thank you so much for that. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you God this day. In your name we pray. Amen.